This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine. The busiest mixed race bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom mask making podcaster in this podcasting game. This is episode 107, and I don't know how many times I've recorded this intro at this point. I I can't I can't get through it um, without bawling my eyes out. So I'm going to try to avoid that on this particular take because there's no point in putting up. An intro if you can't understand it because I'm crying through it. Um, and I just want to apologize in advance for how low my energy is. I, I'm sure by the time this is airing that uh, y'all are aware that the actor Chadwick Boseman passed away on Friday due to a secret four-year battle with colon cancer. And... Um, Putting aside that it is feels very strange to grieve so hard for someone that you've never met in person. There's parallels between he and I that um, hit very close to home. And so it's not just that I do feel like I'm legitimately grieving this actor who I've never met. Um, but I, I see a lot of him in either myself or in people in my life, and it feels very personal, even though it's not. And I have been pretty emotional for the last couple days because of it. And just so you know, I'm taking breaks in between this as much as possible to um, to try to get through it without leaving tears all over this intro. Um, so he was 42 years old. I know that the publications keep saying 43. I don't know why math is so hard, but he's 42 years old. Um, he's four years older. He's four days older than I am. And we were, we were born the same year, a few days apart from each other. And, um, and I'm 42. So math, um, to me personally, Chadwick is someone who not only just an amazing, talented actor, he carries the weight of, <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for him to say this. He carries the weight of a significant portion of the black community because of the kind of roles that he has played. Um, in biopics, he has played some of our major people, Jackie Robinson, James Brown, Thurgood Marshall. But in particular, and for me, an added layer of why I'm so upset at his loss is he brought to life T'Challa, the King of Wakanda and the Black Panther, um, in the Marvel movie in 2018. 
if you've been with me for a while, you do know already that I'm a huge comic book person. So much so that I have a comic book podcast on the side of this, and I've also opened my own comic book shop. Comic books surround my life and have for almost the whole of my life. And a character like Black Panther has empowered me and given me hope that I would see more characters like the people I grew up with or or myself ever since I was little. And I never thought we would ever see a Black Panther on screen um, in live action. I never thought it. There's actually proof of me on Facebook from seven or eight years ago saying they'll never give us Black Panther. And so I was so overwhelmed, overcome with joy when he was cast because I knew that of all actors, he he had the the training and the dramatic dramatic chops to be able to give the character the weight that it needed, but also he had skin in the game in terms of this being a valued character that would live on well past him, which when I was thinking of that, I was thinking that in terms of just that eventually he'll age out of the character. (laughs) I didn't realize at the time he was cast and at the time he was playing the character that he was already battling colon cancer. My father also passed away from um, pancreatic and colon cancer. So I've been getting colonoscopies since I was in my 30s because my dad died at 38. And um, so knowing how difficult surviving colon cancer is the fact that he lasted for four years during his battle and that he did so much work during that time overwhelms me because I know that not many of us could do that. Um, So I'm going to cut this shorter than I've been speaking because of how many times I've attempted to record this. And um, I'm actually getting through it this time without too much um, pauses and and tears. I just want to end this section saying that um, for those of you that grieve celebrities or you feel strange about it, just understand that you do have a sense of living with these people. They're on your TV screens, they're on your computer screens, you're on their phone constantly. In my case in particular, Black Panther is on repeat in my house on my TV almost definitely weekly, but for a period of very long time, every day, multiple times a day. Um, I've probably watched that movie more than even The Godfather, which is the whole reason I went to film school was because of The Godfather, and I used to watch that constantly as well, probably well into the a, a thousand times. I mean, in the la- and that was over the course of from 15 to 30 something. In the last two years, I've exceeded that with Black Panther because of how often I've watched it and how much it means to me. So I do want to take this time to thank Chadwick for his contribution. Shit. To, um, blackness and, and and culture forever which will live long past him and for portraying a character that is so significant to many of us in such a thoughtful and weighted way and i have no idea what the next step is but i'm just so distraught at the idea that he's not going to be here any longer 
fuck. Um, sorry about that. I, I really thought I had, I had it together this particular cut, but, um, like I said, this man's been living in my house for the last two and a half years, um, almost daily. So it does feel pretty rough to think that, um, that's the only way I'm ever going to see him again is in what movies I have available. <sighs> Okay, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and move on so we can get on to it. Um, before I move on, I do want to apologize directly to my guests today. Um, because of my low energy and my depression leading into this episode, um, I don't feel that my intro is going to match the energy that the episode deserves. And, um, and I was so excited to finally get Danielle on the show because I wanted to, to get her on the show back in in um, June, and this was when I was doing the solo episodes and it was right before the hiatus. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to get her until August anyway, but um, I was really excited and and to feel the way that I'm feeling now leading into sharing her episode, I I feel really bad. So I am sorry, Danielle, if you're listening, that I um, am coming at the start of your episode with such um, depressed energy. But for everybody else, my guest this week is Danielle. She is one of our regulars on the social distancing hangouts. And for the last four or five months, five or six months, I guess, at this point, um, I've been getting to know her a little bit at a time along with the rest of the group because she's she's there every week and participating. Danielle comes to us from Brazil. And she has traveled all over the world, but she's lived in Spain and she is currently living in the UK. And a big portion of what we discussed in this uh, episode was kind of talking about the concept of mixedness for Brazil and how colonization and this eugenics movement that existed in Brazil sort of crafted the racial landscape of the country for, for many centuries. And uh, one thing that I'm going to do here right now that's a little bit different than normal is, um, well, first let me explain. When you do an episode of Militantly Mix, we're just having a conversation. I don't like to do a, a proper Q&A because I want you to be able to feel like you can share your experience on your own terms. I may have a couple questions for you preloaded, but I'm not going to do it in a Q&A style. I'm mostly going to let the conversation dictate whether or not I even ask some of those questions, unless I kind of have to, to get us into the conversation. And when you experience having one of these recordings with me for the first time, you're also possibly experiencing having your very first or one of your very first open conversations about your mixedness without judgment or somebody telling you, no, it's not like that. And so it's a very unique experience for people who come on this show because we're not out there in the world openly talking about our mixedness too often um, with people that understand too. That's the other part. So that hour goes by really fast and almost every episode recording uh, ends in someone going, oh man, I have so much more to say. Um, but people don't like to sit through podcast episodes that exceed an hour. So I try to keep it as tight as possible. And um, in this case, it was similar. We we talked for a while and there was more to kind of fill in to explain some of the things that Danielle was talking about. Um, while I can't get into it because it will be too long, I just do want to kind of drop in a few of the points that she posted about on the Militantly Mixed Private Group um, podcast page because she was trying to explain some of those things that, that were sort of missing from our discussion today. And one of those is that in Brazil... During their colonization um, by the Portuguese, um, 
there wasn't like it was never necessarily forbidden for people of different racial categories to have relationships, but there was a sort of unofficial apartheid and, and probably still kind of exists based off of what Daniel was saying. As they developed further in culture, there is indigenous people, there is descendants of the African slave trade, there are Asians, predominantly Japanese in large numbers, and of course, European um immigrants. And so the racial landscape of Brazil is very broad and there are many, many racial categories in existence, but they also don't culturally speak about race as openly as probably we do here in the US or, or other places. And their civil rights movement was a little bit different than ours here in the US um, in that they had a eugenist movement in which miscegeny was encouraged but in the direction of trying to whiten the people. So they were encouraging European immigrants to come in and intermarry with the black and brown Brazilians so that they can make people whiter, <laughs> which is wild, but that was a thing. Um, so different than it was here in the States or, or maybe in other parts of the world where eugenics was applied, um, it was usually done or it was done in other places as more of a studying the others or erasing the other. In this case, it's erasing the other, but through a, like approved and maybe even culturally forced um, misogyny towards whiteness. Very interesting, or misogyny with a focus on trying to whiten the people. And in addition to that, uh, she she was mentioning that it's actually really quite radical nowadays when Brazilians acknowledge their blackness or their indigenous uh, heritage because the culture doesn't actively talk about race as openly as um, maybe here in North America. And uh, like even in her home case, and you'll hear her say it later, she thought she was white with a good tan most of her life. And it, it really took having exposure to other people for her to kind of shift her racial identity. And as it is with all of us, it has changed probably multiple times throughout her life as, as that has happened. So again, I can't really get into how much she wrote, but it is on the Militantly Mixed podcast page if you want to read more of a description of what she talks about here. And I hope that I chose the points that explain the bit that she felt that was missed out, but I'm not 100% sure if I did that. But what you'll hear in this episode is us kind of discussing the racial environment of Brazil and her own personal experience, and then her experience at, within her racial identity when she has lived in Spain and the UK. And I could probably have multiple episodes with Danielle because there is so much in all of those places to unpack about how people treat racial identity, but this is the first one. I want to go ahead and call it the first one. Uh, one thing that we're doing differently with this episode and will be something that I'm looking forward to doing more and more in the future is this is the very first video recorded interview that I'm going to be sharing with y'all publicly. So what I'm going to be doing going forward is if my guest agrees to be on video with me for the discussion, I am going to release the video version of the interview on Patreon at the same time that I release the audio version for y'all to be listening to the way you're listening to it today on your podcatcher. Um, it's going to be released around the same time. And for a week, possibly two weeks, it will be exclusively on the Patreon site. 
to give the people who are paying to keep this show going and growing, um, they would have access to it so they can see these actual mixed pa- people's faces that have been coming on the show every week. So I'm going to give it a week or two to, to try to fill it out and see how many people are, are checking in and watching them. Um, and then after that period of time, I will release it publicly to the YouTube channel. And the reason why I'm going to release it early to the Patreon sponsors is because uh, like I said, they're the people who are keeping this show going. I cannot afford to do the show on my own anymore, both because of the nature of my current finances, but also because as the audience has grown, the responsibility, the financial responsibilities have grown with it. And so y'all have to think the 32 or so people that are basically paying every month to keep this going. And I want to be able to give them something that is an extra benefit for their contribution. If you would like to have access to the early release of the videos, you can sponsor the show at anything higher than the $5 level at patreon.com slash militantly mixed. There's always a link to the show notes in, um, there's always a link to that in the show notes. Like I said, you can donate as, as at the $5 level or above, and you'll have access to those videos, but you can donate as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish every month and get different reward levels depending on what you you select. But without the Patreon sponsors, this show will go on a very extended hiatus until I find funds again. So thank you to our Patreon sponsors. And I hope that this added benefit uh, is enjoyable for y'all. And, um, and I don't want to dissuade people from participating in the show now that there's a video element. Because um, I do have guests that don't share their picture on the episode art either. I'm going to continue to interview anybody who wants to be on the show. Uh, but if there is, if the person is interested in allowing me to record the video, then I will be releasing it this way. So it won't be every episode until such time as des- I decide to make it every episode. But for now, it'll be if the person is comfortable with it. I will upload it, and if they're not, we'll just have the audio as per usual. No matter what, we're always going to be an audio podcast. Um, And then hopefully one day there'll just be a video element as well. Uh, So this first one with Danielle, she was pretty hyped to come on the show for the video element and be my first person for the video element. And I'm really excited that, um, that she did that with me as well. So without further ado... Please join me in welcoming our latest cousin to the Militantly Mixed family, Danielle. So this is the very first official Militantly Mixed podcast video interview. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not that I don't video when I chat with people, but this is the first time we're actually going to share it on, on our social media platform. So thank you very much, Danielle, for being my very first Militantly Mixed video. Um, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody and let us uh, let everybody know what we're talking about today. Okay, so I'm Danielle. Uh, I'm 38 and I was rising, born and rising in Brazil and I lived there up to 2006. Then I moved to Spain. I think I spent there a year 
uh, I spent earlier as a tourist or or I travel between Spain and the Zephyr near. Uh, then I lived there six years, I think, more or less, uh, working, living, working, torn, legally. And because it is important to say, I had a work <laughs> permit, okay, right. so I, I, I was quite privileged on that. Mm. Um, I left Spain in 2014, spent two years in Brazil, and then as I read, had a passport, I came to the UK, mm. where I live now for three years. So mm. I'm going to my fourth year, actually. Uh, yeah, I completed four years here, actually, yeah. in this month. And so, um, what else do I have to say? I was driving. My, my dad was quite well wealthy. Up when I was up to my eight years old, and then he broke. He was uh, he he made like those radios, you know, the walkie-talkie ones. And then when the cell phones took over, he just broke. Oh. Then I had a really prosperous childhood, uh, really nice neighborhood, nice schools. Then uh, I removed it. My parents got divorced. They came with my mom. Mm-hmm. to live with her family and we split I, I had I have a brother an older brother and they split my brother stayed my father mm-hmm. and I stayed with my mom how far and apart then, in age are you and your brother pardon how far apart in age are you and your brother uh he's a year and eight months older than me oh, okay so really close in age yeah so but then we were split and I came to live with my mom and then everything changed because my mom didn't have a profession. Uh, his father is pretty wealthy. He's really well done guy money, but really like uh, not generous as a father. Mm. So he had a lot of difficulties. She didn't have professions. She didn't work. She was not really going for her life. So everything changed. I and then I always had food in a roof, so to say, good education, but just that's it. And then. Um, what else? And then when we move it, we move it back to we move it to another city, the city I was born. Um, and I started working when I was 14 years old. Then I went to the university, and when I finished the university, I went to Spain. Mm. That's it for now. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've talked a little bit. So you are a regular on the social distancing hangout. So I've gotten to know you over the last couple of months and, and we've talked a lot about yeah. mixed race in Brazil and the different dynamics of colorism and identity and all that, that kind of stuff. So I, I am glad to be able to share that story on Militantly Mixed because we haven't really quite gotten into it yet. Um, from what I remember you talking about before, like, your awareness of your identity and like your skin color has changed over the years that you lived in. You want to talk a little bit about that? So, uh, my father, my brother, we are really like, I think I really like my father. I I'm really look like my father mm-hmm. and my brother. Uh, but on my mom's family, we're pretty diverse. Mm-hmm. I, me and my brother are the darkest one. And I do have a cousin and an uncle that they got like dark skin, but uh, they don't have curly hair, they don't have like mm. black heritage. They're my grandparents, they are white. Okay. I would say okay. maybe they're not white in the US, but in Brazil, they are red as white people. Okay. And so 
at the beginning I was surrounded by whiteness, also on TV shows, because I don't think I saw a children show presenter that looked like me mm. until I was maybe... I, I think I watched the show when it was about a bit before my parents, uh, a bit before my, my dad broke. But when we moved it, uh, on that place, we couldn't watch this TV. I couldn't watch this TV show because we didn't have the sign of this of this channel. Mm. So I, I had a glance of a presenter that looked like me when I was maybe eight years old. Mm. And then everything else I remember, uh, they were are like monoracial black people or they would be European because in Brazil it was pretty common for black and mixed. Uh, but when, when I say mixed, I would say black and people that are bi- biracial, mm-hmm. black and white, make like, uh, they make uh, like employees or poor people or gangsters. Mm. And then you have the other European ones uh, doing all the other, you know, the other roles. And this is what I watched until I was, I, I even put it here because I really like this actress. Until I watched Patricia Frenza, she was in 93. Mm. Uh, I was nine years old. I think I was already. My parents were already divorced. I was mm. living amongst my mom already, and it was the first time I saw someone that looked like me mm. as a female. Mm. Because my my mom's family is diverse, but I'm the darkest one. Mm-hmm. And some women they do have a sort of indigenous features and a little bit darker skin, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I was the one that people like look like mm. like yeah. this, you know. Uh, from my from this, when I stand together with them, I'm the black one. Right. You know what I mean? You like they can tell your family and your facial features, but it's just the skin color is what I would say. Uh, I don't really say it's thing real like people. They used to say I am real like my mom, mm. but I think that's because they don't really had. A lot of uh, they didn't share a lot with my father, mm. so I really think I am. If I use the face app, I am my father younger. Yeah, so same. I, I look just like my dad too. And so I, I, I thought actually before I saw this actress, I thought I was a white person with a tan because oh. people would remind me, "Oh, your color, on your color, your color, exotic, you're exotic." Oh, so you would get exotic too? Oh, oh, like. A lot, by people from my family, mm-hmm. they would say, and even out of my family, they would say that I, yeah. Really? And, yeah, and I didn't know what I mean. And, and then I saw that after it, and I thought, oh, so I don't look like the other one, so I, I look like her. Mm. And it was the first time I could mirror, and really realized that I, I was not white. Because right. before, I thought I just had a 10, actually. <laughs> well i mean it's so this is the thing about representation that like i don't think people started to realize and still until we started verbalizing representation matters because you go through all your childhood not seeing anybody that looks like you so either you're a weirdo or um or something else is happening but no one's telling us yeah actually you know they're only showing white people or they're only showing you know light-skinned people so you just feel and actually many people from my my family they are like white 
skin, you, they, they don't pass as white. Mm. They are white. Mm. You know, mm. And then we have the one that has mixed features, but still light skin. And then there's me and my, and my brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, so by, by, by that moment in Brazil, I would a lot to listen. I will listen a lot to things like, we are all black because we, we all have black. Right. We all have black. We all have native. We are all a mix of everything. And then, okay, so I might be just like them, but mm-hmm. you're 10. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, because when when it comes to talk about the different, normally people say that we are all mixed. So why are you have Yeah. Um, are there parts then, in of Brazil where it's noticeable that there are indigenous people? Like, do do the people who are mixed within indigenous uh, heritage or are living within indigenous populations are they visible in Brazil or are they just kind of hidden too? Uh, so, um, I am from São Paulo. São Paulo, Paulo is the southeast. It's very, it's pretty mixed. It has a little bit of everything. Uh, but I think if you go more to the north, northwest, uh, you, you can see a bit more. Or the uh, around the capital now, you can see a lot of the uh, of the, the indigenous features and people. Mm-hmm. But São Paulo is pretty like a bit of every everything. Mm. But this is going to be very according where you go. Because mm. for example, my um, my both the parents of my mom they're both light skin they were white but my grandmother's mother my great grandmother she was dark skinned she was he she had like indigenous features mm. and some of their sons had the my mom's uncle they had like dark skin and indigenous features mm. so some of my one of my uncle had it mm. and little of my cousins too so in some in, and then so in some part is a little bit like this you're gonna have a mix you're gonna have people that they're ex, they're explicitly white mm-hmm. others they are like uh, you can see they're black but they have the color skin different or you in some part you get all shades so mm-hmm. on the south they're majority white mm-hmm. on the northwest they are more indigenous in the northeast they're much more black people. Mm. And what is the, like in your experience as you were figuring out like how you look compared to the rest of the rest of the people around you, was there like affinity group? Were there people like um, they had black pride or they had indigenous pride or what did they, was that a part of the culture at all? Is that uh, a very like U.S. type of mentality probably? So curiously, we never had a former apartheid. Okay, it's, it's right. a very ideological apartheid, right? On, because again, uh, why are you talking about this? Is everybody's mixed. This is people are they they show their proudness of being mixed when it's convenient for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you if they see like like for example now there's a really serious problem with indigenous people. And uh, because they are like um, uh, sustained by the government, mm. so mm. now people hate them. 
because they got all the benefits that they why working why because I work so hard and it's because of, you know but right right so when we are going to talk about ethnicity or race oh but we're all mixed why are you talking about that we're all mixed we're the same oh. it's so it's Brazil is very ambiguous we don't have uh it's not explicit our mm-hmm. our fear of other ethnicities of different ethnicities is not explicit mm. it's really subliminal mm. so we don't really distinguish until internet you couldn't really distinguish a lot mm. and uh, this is one thing that will happen on my family oh we're all made we're the same but i i actually i felt that i was different i i know i'm different of you mm. but when 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 i realized i was i was not white it's not that the, the things they came just like this it was just like oh i have different of you mm. but i still didn't know exactly like it, because right. we don't talk about it right so, don't talk we don't talk about oh you were like this because of these and these no we don't talk it, I, not first the beginning because we have internet so but when i was being right we didn't talk about it were there ever, ever any places that like you weren't allowed to go with your mother uh like because in my case um my japanese side nobody knew we were black so we never went to japanese places unless we were because if, if we ran into somebody we were a friend of my grandmother's friend you know we're like the children of my grandmother's friend or something like that that way if people thought we were black they didn't associate the blackness with my grandmother uh so we avoided mm-hmm. a lot of places there was only certain spots that we would go together as a family where people knew we were a family um and he, and this oh. is me looking like this this is basically the same shade as my grandma my japanese grandma except for when black people would identify me she'd be nervous other people could identify my blackness too did you have anything like that um we explicitly not mm. but recently my mom t- told me or she, she told me something that like, gave me the creeps we, we don't uh we, we as we don't talk about that mm-hmm. uh we, you don't really have a place that you shouldn't go of course that um by the time I don't remember a place, but I knew it, I, I she told me a history, for example, that me and my my brother and I we were in a, in a swimming pool, mm-hmm. and one of her friends didn't want to have her her daughter to get into the swimming pool because mm. we were bathing in there. Mm. So it, it's not something like you can't come here. It's right. just like uh, maybe if there is this people in there, I'm not gonna let my kids be around. Or oh no, it's time to go. Oh no, go to do the thing, go to pick me up something. So people they don't talk. Right. So right. if it happens, I I hadn't explicitly it didn't happen. Right. But so for example, I, I know that maybe if you're white, you can't just go to a favela. Oh I I, I need to short my pet. You know, I, I need to walk to my work and I'm, I'm late. I just wanna short my pet and go through the favela. I can't do that. Mm. because you clearly don't look like you're there mm. or sometimes uh because of, of police violence if you know we're black you, you, when you know you're black you're not gonna walk to for that path because maybe somebody's gonna think i'm i'm doing something wrong right but 
there is, is, is not something that is exclusive. Mm. So it's as you were like traveling, the, oh, sorry. It's, it's something more ideological than, mm. than like, uh, uh, and anyway, everything is ideological. It's something really subliminal. I mean, different from U.S. Right. So as you travel through the world, then how has like your personal racial and identity shifted, if at at all, as you've kind of gone throughout Europe and things like that? So there was me on Spain. I I finished university where I could talk a bit more about uh, race. Mm-hmm. But actually, I, I even thought on a, on a place for improvement of black people's lives. Um, but uh, sometimes I don't think they saw me as an equal. Mm. And I was not sort of, maybe I'm just not black enough or mm-hmm. something on my head. Because uh, they did, they, they were an ONG and they tried to make the accessibility to education mm-hmm. for the poor neighborhoods that were around. Mm-hmm. And the place was the Nucleus de Confidencia Negra, the Black Consciousness Nucleus. Mm-hmm. So sometimes uh, I didn't really feel invited. To, I, 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 I talked in there, I helped it, but I, was, I didn't feel I was invited on the discussions. Mm. You know the the organ the organization the place, but I could, I volunteered there as any other white people could, mm-hmm. but I wasn't part of the mm. the organization. So I pretty feel more like mm, something is going on here. But uh, I, I I and then I start thinking I I I know I'm not biracial. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not black. I know I'm not white. But I did. I, I didn't know what. I still didn't yeah, have any idea. What is that? Yeah, what did that mean? I was in university. But then, then at university, I, I went traveling. I went. I went to Spain. I was working in stage, uh, stage arts. I made a lot of circle theater, street theater, parties. And one day, one of those, you know, the place where you change the backstage where you were changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not sure if he was a guy from South America. He, he was not Spanish, mm. but then he used the word mulata. Yeah. He said something like, he didn't want to be mean. And then, how can you talk, tell me that? How can you call me that? Right. And then I was like, oh my God, I am so pissed because you call him mulata. And then I was, and I said, you know what? I identify as a black, mm-hmm. so you can call me black. Don't mm-hmm. call me mulat. It's very. Uh, it's, I, I I just felt nobody never calling me that. Yeah. In my life, so I just felt. <clears throat> is uh, it understood and, that the meaning and the origin of mulata, like, is it understood that it's connected to like a mule and and like a knot? So I don't I don't know if he did, but by the time I already knew it. But it didn't came to my mind discuss it with him. Because, mm. yeah, you were just kind of triggered in the moment. I was just kind of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I couldn't articulate. And then I just... Well, but, uh, I, in some places in South America, well, people call themselves mulata as an important term. But in Brazil, right. because we're colonized by Portuguese, mula 
know, is the mule and the horse. So we suppose that you know who is going to be the mule and the horse, the male horse, in, right. now in this colonial context. Yeah. So it's for, so for for me it was pretty like shocking, but of course maybe he didn't have this intention. So just that uh, you know identify the black. So you can't you call me negra as much as you want, mm-hmm. but don't call me that word again. Mm-hmm. And then I was just start thinking I'm not I'm not black, but I don't like to be called mulatta. Mm-hmm. And but. In, 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 and I, I started to look for something in Spain, but they didn't really talk. I couldn't really see. Maybe they talked already, mm-hmm. but I really didn't have internet by then. It was 2009, maybe. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of access on internet, and I was living in a really small village. I, I, I was in a big village, and then I moved to a smaller one. Mm-hmm. And the people, the black people you see, they were the recent immigrants. Mm-hmm. But actually, they had because the uh, Spain colonized the Guinea Equatorial, I think. Mm-hmm. So they have a history with blackness. It's just like uh, they just don't consider it because it's all right. You still find in Spain really like a really medieval representation of black mm-hmm. people. It's black when at the end of the year they make the tree, the tree king magician. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you know this Christian thing that three kings they visited Christ and then yeah, the Balthazar. Yeah. So one of them were black, and they would blackface. And, and it's still common. You get representations yeah. of him with with the painting. Yeah, and they do that in a lot of places in Europe where they they have that that kind of a out of Spain performance or something. Yeah, outside of Spain, they do it in other places. Really? Oh, I'm yeah. shocked because in Spain they. The King's Day, which is 6th of January, is much more important than Christmas. Originally, the 6th of January is the place that is the is the day to, to give to the kids. Mm. You know, now it's changing, but they still make that, um, they put the chariots with, with people in costumes on top, and then they just go on a private street. And some products still represent black people with those sort of Bollywood, sort of, right. you know, it's still happening in Spain now. People talk really. It's not something natural. For yeah. I mean, yeah, it's new, something relatively new. And they're real passive about it too, where it's just kind of like it's tradition. You know, like it's not racist. It's just how it was. And but when you're sitting there as a black person or a mixed black person, and you see it because it happens also with like my British family too. The you know the the gollywogs and stuff that were around the house. It's just like, how do you look at this horrible representation of a black person and and just think it's just tradition, no big deal, you know? So I think that when I was in Spain, I left Spain in 2014. I was there in 2006. By then, but when I started in Spain, it was really difficult to to talk with a Spanish person. But on the other side, uh, if uh, if you see like uh, if somebody performed racism over someone else, mm-hmm. it was pretty common that somebody would tell them off because in Spain you Spain in Spain they really just tell them off all the time. <laughs> they, they, they're really which it was something for me as a Brazilian was, wow. Because so, you didn't talk but, about it. <laughs> where you come from? Yeah, where you come from. We don't talk, we don't go off on people easily because everybody can have a gas. So you, you right. just sort of, 
oh, you, you, you just submit yourself yeah. and try to skate. Right. I was just saying, yeah, no, no, you're right, you know, but they're, they're really fun. So uh, I could see that uh, uh, they have those, they don't see uh, what can be wrong with that. But when they see something that's wrong, you're probably going to see three, two or three old uh, old ladies just telling off on their aggressor. Probably. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> That's kind of cute, actually. I, I, I saw uh, some and or young people that come because you, you have a lot of, uh, in Spain, you had this thing after the dictatorship that, that everything got liberated. And then uh, you, you can see young people also like, uh, but still sometimes the same young people that defend somebody of suffering racism, they're going to, they're going to clap for, for the presentation of the scheme. Right, like, oh, right, right, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's very ambiguous. So it's really... Like difficult. selective activism. Exactly. It's a select, yeah. yeah. It's, it's difficult to make the, the think about it. But when you have to take, when you have to be called on action, they are pretty easygoing mm. on, on, on this. But they don't really think if they can feed back this system by you know in by commenting or keep buying this process or not so this is both of the and they, they still call black people like brunettes what was the word brunettes brunette. oh, okay brunette. oh funny like brown hair but as skin like yeah they still call them brunettes which was something that was happening in brazil when i was there uh. they call brunettes or brunetti like a little yeah and which now in brazil is pretty switching people are getting more powerful about huh. this so a word that i was call it a lot like a brunette mm-hmm. brunetti mm-hmm. and jumbo brunette jumbo is a fruit that might have my skin color <laughs> okay <laughs> it's now, always food with us it's always it's like our skin food. is with food <laughs> and or, or chocolate or huh? right so, but, but now in brazil is pretty it's pretty like uh, no, you don't. It's getting another, but still now people we still call black people and or like Latin mix of black people like me brunette mm. or they still, mm. they still use it. Okay, and then as you trans uh, transfer transfer as you travel over to the UK, what is I know that you've talked about that you live in a predominantly like black area. Is that is it mostly native black? Brits or are they is it an immigrant community like where are you at now so I live on the heart well not on the heart but on the side of the heart of <laughs> not in the hill carnival okay oh okay yeah which is pretty is a pretty popular but black uh, and political black manifestation in here mm-hmm. so there is a lot of native native black mm-hmm. people around but despite gentrification you still can see a lot of black people that are from here and they have the big parade um, and or the big festival yeah. every year yeah yeah uh which is not going to be online unfortunately yeah. but yeah you, you can see uh uh yeah you, you, you i can see more british and i think the foreign they're much more like muslim mm. and asian a little bit of asian but i think the most of the black people here i can see that they are british mm. and do you feel like a part of the community 
No. No, you don't? Oh, no. <laughs> because this is one thing about London. I, 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 I didn't find my way in. Mm. You know what I mean? Because despite it, this is the carnival, I don't know where they they play. Mm. Um, I, I don't know how to to participate. I still, I, I'm still like looking for it, and I don't know how right. to get into it. And so I, I can't. I, I don't really feel part. Alone is really a difficult place for you yeah. to bond with people, or maybe it's me. Uh, this is maybe because I felt so different, so used to be otherwise. It's just something like, well, let's say it, maybe it's my way of being. So I'm still figuring out if I am like this because I was otherwise, mm. or I am because I am like this. I was other, or you know, I, I still didn't find a lot the balance. Right. I mean, it's part of the whole the whole journey. Like even at, like with my mix. There's no place I go that I feel a fully part of the thing. Like, you know, black people are more welcoming, Japanese people not so much, British people it's like, "Oh, wait, but that white relative is your like how are you how is it possible that you have your related you share, you know, family?" It's especially in England like when we when I was walking around with my cousin, my white fully 100% white cousin in England and we would tell people we were cousins people would just be like adopted you know like there were all the questions were were everything that didn't mean that eventually a british person a white british person made a baby with someone non-white like it was very clear it was not expected that that was even possible <laughs> it was like that yeah well, was kind of clear. Do you think we're more like white people or Eskimos or most it was mostly white well it was all white people that made me feel that way like you know um i'm trying to think there was one south asian woman that we talked to at the museum and she, and we said we were cousins and because at first we we're walking around I, I was on crutches i was when i was traveling there i was on crutches because i had had a knee injury and they, they were trying to figure out like how did the brown person who should have been the caretaker end up with this white person so it was like are you helping her? It was one of those types of things. Like, are you helping her? Like, cause you're a white man. What are you like, what's happening? Um, and when we explained that we were cousins, it, then it was also just like, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it was very, and, but this was coming from a South Asian woman who, who clearly was okay. British. Like she had a British accent. She, she lived there. She knew the history and stuff and she was walking us around cause we had kind of like a semi-private tour thing that we were doing. Okay. And it just seemed like every so often she'd look back and be like, cousins, huh? You know, like, like eventually she was going to hear the lie. Like eventually it was going to come out that there was something else going on there. And I didn't know how to communicate because when you see another brown person also looking at you like, are you sure? You're just like, all right, okay. <laughs> you know, what can you do? Uh, you know, people here, they don't look at me. I mean, here in my area, uh, actually, I also live in a place here. In my, uh, I don't have neighbors. Mm. We live in a place and I think the neighbors are neighbors here. Mm. It's a garden. It's not a common house. So, I think they look at us more like intrigued because of it, mm. more than because of how I look like. And of course, a couple of guys, they came to like my phone and, oh, where are you from? I always say I'm Spanish. I don't say I'm Brazilian. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, I, I don't say. <laughs> <laughs> what? I hate. 
is not that I hate Brazil, but uh, back in Spain and sometimes here, when I say I'm Brazilian, people start behaving stupid. Oh, expectations. They start behaving like, oh, Brazilian, Brazilian football. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. And then, uh, it, and then if it's a guy, there are chances that this guy is going to... Right. I get it. I mean, mm-hmm. why don't you already put your, your hands inside your pants? Then? Yeah. Well, did you know what? You know, so, but sometimes I still prefer somebody saying that than say, behave like an idiot. Because it's just like, right. oh, don't talk like this. People are such trash. So I, I, usually I hear say I'm Spanish. Okay. But, but, uh, but I do go to a place and make bread and free yoga. I, I do feel pretty welcome in there. And I also try to push a little bit the conversation, but people don't talk. And we are pretty mixed. They're Asian, the, the teacher's black, they're, mm. they're mixed people, they're white people. But, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's something to what you said earlier. You said something about like, uh, maybe because you were othered for so long that you yeah, don't really yeah, know exactly. how to engage. And then, and even as like within our group, you know, we all had our awkward period in our in our social group where we're like, okay, this happens to you. Oh, okay. That happens to me too. Okay. So we have this in common, you know, and then we get a little bit more empowered every time we find someone who has a similar experience because it's just like, okay, not as a, not as alone. So as we learn to talk to each other, hopefully that will translate out in the world when we can actually learn to talk to other people. Because for now, when I talk to outside, people outside of the mixed community about being mixed, I feel like I'm lecturing or educating or i'm some kind of a zoo exhibit for them like oh these interesting mixed people you know Um, whereas like when i talk to you or the rest of the group it's just like oh you know load off to just be able to talk about what we experience but you you know i'm saying you you told me that about 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 like feeling accepted i i guess if if you know if you go to brazil the first thing people think that you're japanese they would think i'm japanese I oh think, my gosh! I, maybe, maybe people that are not the first generation, uh-huh. but the most other people, maybe not people that have really descent of Japanese, but most part of the people are gonna, because Japanese is the first reference of Asian people. Of Asian there, yeah. Because there is a big column, column of Japanese. Right. So when things get better, give a stroll on there. I, I go with you. That would experience. be even so people, wild. <laughs> even if a people that have indigenous, uh, Brazilian indigenous heritage, they are mistaken by Japanese because uh, on, on Brazil, most of the tribes, they have like a link with, with Asian. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see by the, the features, like the features. The eyes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know North America or North America. I guess Mexico also is not really the same. They right, don't really no. have the same ethnicity. Yeah, that would be so strange because there's never been a case in which I've ever been ex- accepted or thought of as Japanese. Sometimes Asian, but it's Filipino because they look for like, well, Filipinos are mixed, so you must be Filipino. Like that makes the most sense. If I get to Brazil. And it is one of the places that I want to travel. And somebody thinks of Japanese. I don't know how I would react. I think I would be just amazed. I, if you go, yeah, I, I'm sure people, I mean, yeah, people like uh, that don't know. Well, I studied Japanese. I studied Japanese. I love Japanese cinema. Mm-hmm. So, of course, 
if I look at it, even without knowing it, we know it makes, but the most of the people, they will mistake you by Japanese with pride, right, for you. If you, if you that, yeah, that would be awesome. Day, be awesome. <laughs> it would be fun. <laughs> That's so crazy. And, and here, here, I think, I, I think they just blend with, with the, with, with the people. Right, people, that's people possible. People don't look at me. I mean, twice I was asked where I was from. One was a guy that he was trying to, mm-hmm. and the other was this, it was the, the man. She, she 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 was here. We, we on front of our house. We have some steps, so mm-hmm. people normally come from the street and they see there to have Mac. Mm-hmm. And this black woman talked to me, and then she asked, so mm. she know. She knows I'm not black. Oh God, no! Oh no! Uh, she asked me where I'm from. Maybe because Max is from my accent. Right. And then, but there's another place I work for. People know, normally they know I'm Brazilian. Normally they know I'm South. Here they really know I'm Brazilian. Mm. In Spain they thought I was South American. Okay. In Brazil they thought Brazilian thing sometimes. I was asking in Brazil if I was Indian or American or. or or Arabic. Really? I swear, people look at me, oh, you're so beautiful, you're Arabic, I was up, right? Where, where? They, I was always mistaken, and actually, my father always told we were Arabic, but... Mm. But there's no I, evidence I think, of it. <laughs> I, I, I made my DNA test, and uh, I, I, then I already knew we didn't, and then, of course, the DNA just confirmed it, but I think he was really ashamed of his color, oh. because he... he he like the same color as me, um, same hair, same color of hair. But uh, I discovered that my his mother, my grandmother, didn't like black people. Mm. She didn't like dark skinned people because it looks like she she was bold. Like uh, of course, slavery was already abolished, but she was kind mm. of she was orphan, and looks like she got married by force because this guy uh, paid the money to somebody. Okay. So she was given to this guy. And my my grandfather and he's a dark skin my no, my my mm. father grandfather my father father and he is dark he was dark skin man and then she got sort of traumatized mm. she, so I think because of it he he internalized that, that he internalized that that he was not he was that, that he was Arabic so but, do you feel like you're being a little radical and like embracing your ident- like do you considering that your family has different feeling about how you are oh goodness um so you radical i don't feel radical but i feel like i am a teenager again <laughs> if you're going through it all over again <laughs> every time i discover something about myself it's as if i was a teenager again i want to go and know and everything oh, yeah. to talk about uh, I don't really think my family know because I, I stopped talking to my, to my mom's family. I stopped talking to them right. because we are not the same vibe. And I don't think you, if I talk to them, they will repeat the same old story. Right. Oh, we're all the same. We're all from the same right. place. We're all mixed and blah, blah, blah. And that's not helping. So yeah. I would say, well, I know they're going to say that. So, ah. so I don't think I'm a, a, a it's value. But it's very liberating. Mm. So because of it, I feel like, uh, uh, like uh, maybe not as a teenager, but I remember that when when I was eighteen, when I completed eighteen, for me was 
amazing because I was in university and then I could do everything I couldn't because my mom always right. kept me. Right. She always kept me home. And then it was just like, oh, they were outside. So every time I discovered something new about me, it's just, it's, I live it again. Oh, yeah. And then it's really liberating. And it's like, a, and if it means to be rebellious for some people, mm-hmm. very good. I'm not right. rebelling. I'm just sort of. Uh, You're living your life. I'm yeah, exactly. I I I is uh, I'm living. I feel I'm living myself more. Like I'm living more like right. myself. I enjoy myself a bit more. That's that's the part that makes me the most happy about having this community and like developing is that we can be encouraging for each other and actually just be like excited about our identity is, is, you know, however we land, because there's been so much of, I think all of our time wasted on no, but like us not having permission to love our full, yeah. our full selves, you know? And uh, when I was back in Brazil, I haven't been in Brazil for two years. I, I made a, a very good dance school. Mm-hmm. Um, because well, I was working with circles and stage art, so I'm gonna make that and then I'm gonna work with Kate and everything's gonna be nice. Uh, so even on the, the dance school, I actually had to think a lot about my body, all aspects of my body, mm. and then I choose to make a, a work about about oh, about oh gosh, not ethnicity, femininity, and gender. Mm-hmm. Ethnicity, gender, I have forgot the other aspect because I, I took I took gender and ethnicity mm-hmm. and the other guy took other two aspects and the other guy we, we made like a triangle on this work and okay. then I had to work a lot on it. But it's still it's still we didn't talk about mixedness. We don't mm-hmm. still we don't talk about mixedness because in Brazil, we spend a long time without talking about ethnicity or race. Mm-hmm. And when it started, I, I think we are sort of adopted, adopting the US mm-hmm. model. But there is a lot of ideological. When I was, well, when I started with militant militant units, I started start thinking maybe this. This ideological thing about race in the US is also something supremacist. It's also mm-hmm. a supremacist tells that we shouldn't really take to our discussion. But I think if I speak about that now, I'm going to be just deleted, cancelled. But <laughs> you know, that sentence for me because uh, I, I think the, this verse now is rising. And it's really rising on this discourse on which everybody is black, even if you're mixed, you are black. And actually, in our senses, we have black, and inside black, well, sorry, the word we don't use black, actually, use a word, but it's the Portuguese version of that word, that word, the N word, but in Brazil, it's it doesn't have the same weight. It's given not, not right. Weight. Okay, gotcha. So we use this word, this big word, and then we have black and mixed. Uh, okay. Still, and then they all part of the 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 N category. Got it. But again, it's not in Brazil. It has another weight. It has a different meaning. 
is a different meaning. People are trying to use black because black is the color. So people are trying to use more the color name instead of the race name. Right, yeah. Because in many of Portuguese expressions, the color is positive. Okay. It has a positive meaning on that. Um, so I think if I arrive now and say, so uh, I consider myself black and mixed, people will just, what are you saying? Because I, I yeah, what are you saying? Because I have seen it. I've seen many people like asking, what, what, what do you think I am? What do you consider I am? And then I say, well, this boy here is mixed. This girl here, she's mixed. White people think she's but you can't really. But I think there is a difference be, between your personal experience mm -hmm. and what is imposed to you. Mm -hmm. Because I feel that I don't have an experience on blackness by the time I was writing. Right. So am I black? Am I not? So I prefer also highlight, well, I'm black Latin. I am mixed Latin and black mm -hmm. because I sort of um, analyzing all the experience I have. Mm -hmm. I knew, I know now that I was read as a black person. Right. But I, 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 I had no idea while I was being raised, you know, Brad Pitt and Macaulay yeah. Culkin were my idols. It's a, it's a, <laughs> so I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, God. Right, right. <laughs> again like we're we're left in the dark and a big part of because we don't talk about it you know like i think in the u.s we probably talk about it maybe more than what it seems exactly. like you, you probably did but uh, you, you sure do but even even in my experience when my parents parents were two different colors like obviously two different colors mm -hmm. it was still an outsider that pointed it out you know like i was third grade the first time someone said i can't spend time i can't hang out with you because your dad is I, the way I she remember. said we were little kids so she said poop colored mm -hmm. but you know what i'm saying like it took an outsider for me to go oh yeah they are different you know like because it was just my life and nobody told me hey kid one day you're gonna have somebody come up to you and say that this that this is a problem for them you know yeah so it makes sense that like we we attach to what we can attach to if it's not because they look like us then it's because they did something that we do and that's just what we dealt with like it's just how we had to be i also i am empowered by saying um because i do identify mostly with my blackness but i am empowered by saying like i'm mixed but i'm black meaning i know that this tells this different story than me just being black but in here, my upbringing and who I am and, and stuff yeah, like that yeah. is more black than my face, <laughs> you know, my skin. So um, I, you know, I think it makes sense. And the fact that we get together to talk about it, I think helps us. To oh, heal. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think that, the, uh, you, you know, I was a little bit like lost, mm -hmm. even after that the, the dance course, which I, I, I explored a lot, the aspects of my body, especially my hair. Mm -hmm. But I still didn't dialogue with somebody else about that because right. we didn't get to there. We we are still like, a, you know, because there's a lot of violence against black people. It's, it's just like, a, people think, people think Brazil is a racial democracy just because you didn't have a, 
a, a official apartheid, but mm-hmm. oh, it, it, it's pretty the same. Actually, it's pretty the same. Yeah, it's just not official, but it's yeah. pretty the same. So, uh, it's, I, I still felt like oh my god, I compared this little bit. I kind of lost it by talking about mixing it. I had this thing. Right. And by what I can read now, I still have, I, I, see, I feel glances are, glances of it here and there about people discussing why Brazil should adopt this US system, if it's mm-hmm. yes or not, if it's empowering or not. I actually don't think it's empowering because it comes already from, it comes from the top. Yeah. It's not something that people feel. Right. And, uh, so we, we shouldn't really adopt it, but can I discuss it here? I, I, I was, if I discuss it here, I lose the few friends I have done already. Oh no. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to say anything. So, but, <laughs> this is, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. <laughs> But uh, but but here here here, Brad Mickey, I feel pretty, I feel really okay talking about that because people with canals mix it. You know, you, you in any forms you go, you you have mixed other backgrounds. But there is many, even white are speak mm-hmm. in, in shade. So uh, here is much easier to to say your mix that mm. thing. Right, right. Even in Brazil, to say oh I'm. Mestizo is the, is the word for, for mixed. Mm-hmm. Even if you say the people who look at you, what are you talking about? And uh, yeah, it's like uh, um, we, we, we are so immersed and we're so generational mm-hmm. that uh, when, when you ask, are you mixed? What, what are you talking about? People don't so know crazy. it. We don't discuss our our heritage at all. Oh, so I had this indigenous great grandma. She she was uh, she was actually uh, a result of a rape. She mm-hmm. this is what they say that she resulted as a rape of an indigenous woman. Mm-hmm. But she she was pretty proud about herself. But we didn't you know. He didn't yeah. talk about it with her, uh, with her children, not with my, my not her grandchildren, mm-hmm. and then not with me. Yeah. And, and then this history about my father being maybe ashamed of his color. Yeah. It looks like it's something so, it, bring, it might bring so bad emotional mm-hmm. remembrance that mm-hmm. people avoid talking about it. And also because some some of the history, they're not most of the mixness is they come from violence. So it comes from violence, yeah. Yeah, it's a sort of. Uh, once I even made a post about it, how do you from mixness? It's like I, I threw it there and see if people understand it, mm. and people didn't. And yeah. then I had to explain, and then people would say, "Oh, I got at least three, three, <laughs> three, three people saying that some." Of their their ancestors were indigenous women called mm. uh, kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. And even I have a friend and descent of a kidnapped indigenous woman, but people don't they barely talk about it. So we and not yeah. only on your family yourself, you don't talk it collectively. Like collectively, yeah. In your school, you don't talk it. Yeah, you don't talk so. 
maybe it's something so painful that people just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And I get it. I do. But because at this point we're multi-generational, like some of us need to have a connection and like, yeah, you acknowledge that. I mean, because as a, as a, as an American, I think anybody on the Western hemisphere, South American, North American, Central American, there is violence, kidnapping, rape in our story. There just is. So, okay. We know it's out there. Let's not pretend it did it it didn't happen because if yeah. we do, it's just gonna get worse. Whereas like for me, I can be proud that I'm a you know mixed black person. I can be proud that I'm a mixed Asian person. I struggle with being a mixed British Caucasian person because the colonizer of all colonizers, you know, That's like they British. they went all over the world capturing people. So if not for them doing what they did. But then if you think on this side. Well, Japanese during the war they made terrible things to China. Oh yeah, the Japanese terrible. are also the Asian colonizer. Like yeah, you yeah, know, because exactly. like my whole situation is somebody from somewhere else came in and messed up other people. Like when I have Korean friends or Chinese friends and they're like, "Oh, Japanese," and I'm like, "Yeah, I know. Sorry, you know, like what can I do? It's sorry, oh, but at no. the same wow. time, but it's like at the same time, it's like yeah, it's the history. We acknowledge it." And then we um, also embrace what we have. So in my case with the British side, I like my tea, which I know that there's colonization in the tea as well. Um, but there's a lot of the culture I reject because it doesn't include me as a mixed person or a brown person. You know, same with Japanese. There's aspects of the culture I absolutely love. There's a lot that yeah. rejects me as a mixed person. Um, so I, I reject that. Well, I, when I made my DNA test, I got shocked because I think I got 57% of Iberian DNA. Okay. I don't know which is Portuguese, which is Spanish. Right. And then there is Jewish, and then there is Balkanic. Mm-hmm. And I think Polish. It's Balkanic, but I think there is a hint of East Europe. Okay. But then, but then I think, well, uh, because they, they were all, all also really nasty colonizers. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, one thing I like to think is that they don't, first they don't represent the full of their culture. It's not the full picture. Represent. And then the problem is, what are you proud now of the aspects mm-hmm. of your culture? Right. Are you still proud that these people invaded other lands? Yeah. Or are you proud that, uh, I don't know, mm, other aspect, I know your culture in music, or right? Your, or, or yeah, exactly. Invention, science. Well, like British has Stephen Hawking. He's right. British. Yeah, it's a good thing to be proud of. But maybe you don't have to put Hernan Cortez on on a pedestal and make a speech right. for him. Right. Right. Exactly. And you shouldn't celebrate it, it, it on, on the same way you you celebrate science, discovering right. science in science. Right, people, exactly. they, they usually put, some people they put in the same platform, but but um, some people also reduce the science a little bit lower yeah, yeah, than yeah. like the colonizer. <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> and they they pretty exactly. take a lot of uh, the, the patent. There are people that they patent Amazonic plants. Yeah, the, the, the pharma the pharmacy. I mean. Yeah. I know it happens to you, and then they brag. But if you find if you if you learn a little bit more about history, you kind of can know what 
a bit you can be proud about yeah. and also uh, I think it's changed. It, you, you, we can always change with the test of the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of Pablo Picasso mm-hmm. yeah, until man. I learned. learned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just, and I just, I, 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 I put money on a ticket to see one of his exhibitions, and then I learned he was a, I'm a yeah. you know, yeah. and I was just sort of, I can't believe people still promote him because yeah. there are many other artists in, in, in contemporary artists of yeah. um, not the same moment as him. Why should, yeah. he should get so promoted? You have loads of other artists. It is but, and then I just and then I just okay okay I did it, I did it, I can't I just not gonna keep doing it and that, that's it. Right. As we educate ourselves, it changes the, you know, who we support, who we care about, whose story we want to keep telling. Um, I think the big part of doing Militantly Mixed was because I wanted to be able to find stories for people that were like us. And I couldn't find them historically, so I I found them contemporarily. You know, like, that's, that's, the, way, that's the way to get what I wanted out of it. Um, and the same way of, like... Okay, let's let's ignore Pablo Picasso now, but let's look at somebody right now who's out here doing something, and maybe maybe they have a better message, maybe they're a better person, hopefully, <laughs> so I can support them. Um, you know, I I yeah, I, it's education um, is how we're going to yeah. both not make the same mistakes of the past, but exactly. also be able to like hit, hit a draw a line of like from here on. I'm excited about who I am because of my heritage here below. I'm acknowledging that there was things that were horrible about the people I come from, but those people are not me and I'm going to exactly. move forward and I'm going to make something positive. Different. I'm going to do more work. Exactly. I'm going to do something different with this legacy. Exactly. And hundred percent. Uh, I, I didn't know. Well, you, you had, I didn't know if you had your, you didn't really have your parents, uh, as the, I obviously the word in English, we're talking about it. Uh, your parents didn't have your back when you were right. So they didn't. They were both mixed too, but they didn't really talk oh, about it too much. Okay. So like my mom is half Japanese and ha- and her white okay. father is um he's uh, from the Appalachian area of the United States which is a mix of like Scottish, Irish and English people who have been here since like the 1700s. So they're they're old settlers and like okay. you know they've been here for a really long time. Um and then on my dad's side my dad is half black and half Caucasian British. His his mother came from England. My Japanese grandma came from Japan. So it's not like we weren't aware of mixedness. We had two different colored uh-huh. grandparents on both sides of the family. We have I have two different colored parents. So there was little talk about it, but it really wasn't like how is this going to affect you and how I'm going to help uh-huh. you maneuver. So uh-huh. as I'm coming home one day being like why do people think I'm not black? Clearly I'm black because in my view I clearly was. I had no okay. way of somebody informing me I wasn't until outsiders told me, like, you're very pasty for someone who thinks you're black. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So when I would get upset about it, it would be dismissed as kind of like a, that's not important. Race is not important. Move on with your life. Uh, with me, it was just the opposite. Why do people say I am? Or why do they look at me? Or they throw, well, in school. I worked on. I, I was. I I studied on a school that was pretty like a provincial whitish middle class. Mm-hmm. I I came from uh, really nice smooth vibe schools, and then mm-hmm. I just 
were two um, really place. I was first in Sao Paulo, then we moved to a place that was a big city as well. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to this village and then and they were all white. And I I I just got like oh, what is just happening? They were right. they, they were so mean. Yeah. And I don't think my mom will notice that that they, actually my mom compared me with Angelina Jolie mm. two or three years ago and I was so I was shocked. I didn't ask her why, but <laughs> she blue eyes and white I mean, skin. Yeah, <laughs> and I was just like, "Wow, this is somebody should save her." But I think she didn't see me as, she as somebody different. So she just saw me as somebody white with a tan. Despite she she always said that my color was beautiful. We never discussed race. So sometimes when I came from the school, I yeah. couldn't even talk about that because. Her only answer would be what is said or race doesn't matter. So, yeah. so I just stopped. At that moment, I just stopped talking. Yeah. And the way it's dismissed, I think, has a lot to do with sort of how we felt growing up, too. Like, if I'm really yeah. upset about this and my parents are telling me this is not an important thing to be upset about, then I'm like, am I dumb? You know, like, do I not have, do I not understand, you know, so then you sit there and you're a kid with no language to explain what you're going through and no parent or authority figure to accept what you're going through and saying, I don't know how it feels for you, but let me listen. You know, like there's things like that. that I think that the current generation of parents could learn from regardless of the race of them or their children of saying Mm -hmm. like, I, I hear that you're experiencing something that I'm unfamiliar with. Let me just listen to you. You know, like, I don't care what the topic is. Parents need to yeah, normalize that that treatment of their children. Yeah, um, they, they need to learn that some is okay. Of course, that you have a roof and you have shoes and you have food mm-hmm. and you have good education. But you know, we, we still have emptiness. That, yeah, that we need support. Be. We need to exactly. We need to be listened. We need to, or even if they don't know, sorry, I, I don't know what to do. Give give them a hug then. Yeah. Go go it. I don't know. Maybe yeah. on the next time it happens, you know. So, uh, I think uh, this in Brazil is pretty. It's still. I think people talk like about race a bit more about race, mm. but they don't talk about mixedness. Mm. And it's not something you talk with kids. Huh, it's, yeah. more, it's not something that is uh, really normalized now. You, you don't see it as important. Of course, that I think a lot more uh, black black children are going to black monoracial children are, are going to grow up much more more empowered right but we are going to have this thing about when somebody is made which is pretty common in Brazil and somebody really look a bit of both mm-hmm. this can be still can be pretty <laughs> this still can happen as yeah. it happens to me or to you yeah because we don't look monoracial so right um, we are getting a little bit closer to the end of the time, but before I ask the final question that I always ask, I do want to give you credit for something that I don't know if you 100% realize you had an impact on me for. Um, I've been talking about 
wanting to shave my head for like 10 years and I have been a chicken about it for part of it. And part of it, I just very dismissive of it. Uh, I explored my mixed race hair journey through coloring my hair like an anime character, through straightening it to try to make it look something, to putting curly perms in to try to make it look more mixed. I've run the gamut. When I started talking about wanting to shave my head, you were one of the people who were like, do it. I was so illiberated when I've done it in the past. And you were very, I know you were just talking about your own experience, but you were talking about like, it, it was part of the experience for you. It was part of the journey. And it was important to you that you went through it and listening to you say it more than almost any other person. Cause I've had other women tell me, Oh, I done it. And I did this or whatever, but you and I being in a more similar situation of being mixed oh. women, having a mixed race hair journey where we've talked about like, how sometimes our hair has impacted how we feel about mixed race people. You were the last story that made me say, all right, I'm going to do it. And I did it like a week later. So I don't know if you know that, Yeah, uh, but you are, you are really the reason that I actually. (laughs) Oh, that's really nice. And the only thing that holds me back with my hair is because, well, I'm a female People say I look good, so for if I even have a job, I think, you know, I can't, I can't have my hair done like this right. like that. So it's right. a bit more of an advantage. Otherwise, because I'm not really patient to treat hair, I would do have <laughs> shave and have wigs. Yeah, and that, that's it. So yeah, it's really, it really uh, mean a lot for me to know that I had yeah. a good part of it. It was you. Like I have friends that have done it before. I've been told, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great. But you more than anybody else, I have a closer story to. And it was like, okay, well, if it affected another mixed woman this way or mixed person this way, then I, this is actually something I could consider. So I wanted to thank you for that. (laughs) When I did the first time, first when, when, when I was on that school, I told you that people be really mean to me. Uh, they threw a lot of paper balls in my hair. Mm. So at a certain point, and one day I straightened it, with, mm. not, not with chemical, but just with it. And everybody laughed, laughed at me. And then I just thought, you know, and my, my family really came to, to make my, to straight every week. And then I thought, no, I'm ready. but I didn't shave. Mm. My mom didn't let me shave. And then I kept my hair short. And then when I had my first opportunity, zoom, <laughs> gave it out. And oh, it was really nice. Yeah, I and, can't stop um, rubbing it. I know you said you also did that too. Like you just want to touch it all the time. Really nice. nice. <laughs> um, I, I, I enjoy it. Very nice. Yeah, I appreciate you for that. Um, all right, but we are getting to the okay. end of the show. So why don't we uh, ask the, or dumb um i like to ask everybody at the end of every show what is the thing that you love most about being mixed because of all the stuff we go through it's nice to kind of end on a positive note so what is it that you love the most about being a mixed person um i think what i love most is this feeling i had at the beginning of not belonging Mm. i think it helped me to 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 find other ways of living and other ways of mm. thinking that lead me to to learn language and, mm. and leave the country and travel. So the, I, I think there is both sides. At the beginning, I was really worried 
or if I don't belong. <gasps> what? And then I just, oh, as I don't belong, I go. If I don't belong and, anywhere, then I belong I everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. But and but uh, but I was also worried at a certain point. I was also worried. I don't belong anywhere. So what's going to what, what, what's going to be with me? That, you know, the same thing had different sides. But this not belong. This this belonging or not belonging. Sort of now it it's sort of uh, gone. Yeah. Because. Uh, but what I really like it, what I can say about me mix is this, which is now it's pretty like the, it doesn't matter anymore. For me, it doesn't matter anymore. Mm. It's curious because, because I first felt I don't belong, I found out that there's actually nobody belonging. <laughs> yeah, right. We, we all belong to the world, I think. Yeah. And this is a pretty illusional thing if you think we belong. But, but well, uh, so I, uh, despite I really think I belong to Militant Mix and belong to, to, to mix the rest of people. Yes. <laughs> but it's not the same way as before. Mm -hmm. Because I think before I would feel incomplete. I would get anxious and I would long for that feeling. Mm -hmm. And now it's more like the, if it doesn't happen, it's okay. it's okay. I am already myself. Right. But awesome. <laughs> but yeah, this belonging and belonging, I think, is my favorite, favorite thing about being mixed. That's awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. And oh, thank yeah, you for thank being you. my first video uh, solo interview. I'm really excited. We're going to share this across our social media platforms. Um, before we get out of here, is there any last little words that you that you have? Ah, uh, keep the mix as fuck. <laughs> yes, be a mixed as self. I mean, be as, be as mixed as self. Yeah. And if if you don't want, it's also okay. Just, right. Just to remain, just to remind you. Just be comfortable inside. Be, be comfortable on yourself. Whatever, if you're mixed or not, just feel comfortable. Right. But if you feel comfortably mixed, be mixed as self. Okay. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one you can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle. <laughs>